My name is Reverend Joanna Lubkin, and I'm one of Arlington Street Church's community ministers. And at last year's Pride service, I stood up here to give the benediction. I was overcome with the view. I saw a sanctuary full of people all gathered here to celebrate who we are, to be seen fully as queer and trans and questioning, and to see and support each other as allies and friends. I loved what I saw so much that I whipped out my cell phone and took a picture of everyone, arms joyously upraised and heads up, we might do that again. But what I thought in the moment when I took that picture was, what a moment to be living in. Progress feels inevitable. Onward and upward forever. And then this year happened. I thought of that moment up here so many times, sometimes in despair, that like there's this bumper sticker on my fridge says, the arc of the moral universe is longer than I thought. <laughs> sometimes I think of it and feel a little naive and privileged as I have come out and come of age in an era of increasing protection and of celebration of our diverse identities. And I know that was and isn't always the case. But today, I look out and I see the same view. Our gathered crowd is more robust than ever. Well done. We are here to let ourselves be seen and to see ourselves in each other. And what I see is not effortless progress, inevitable progress, but companions and co-conspirators as we bend that arc toward justice. You, here today and every day, give me hope that we are building a more supportive and more fabulous world. So today, in music and in words, we'll celebrate our stories of claiming queer identity, of resilience and resistance, of the great bravery of proclaiming who we are, and of that first exhilarating, heart-racing sight of someone in whom we see ourselves. When each of our three speakers has shared, we'll tell them, you are not alone. This sanctuary is full of companions and co-conspirators who are with you in the struggle to be free. We're all in this together. And then the congregation, that's you, will joyously respond, I see you. So let's practice that together. Ready? I see you. So now from up here, thank you for letting me see you, your full, authentic, divine you. I see you. Happy Pride. It's frustrating to be seen as an ally of a community that I am part of. As a woman who has been in a committed relationship with a man for over eight years, I understand why people assume that I'm straight. 
people usually assume that everyone is straight unless they're faced with some sort of overwhelming evidence and sometimes even that doesn't do it. Being straight presenting is an immense privilege. I don't get screamed at or physically attacked just for walking down the street holding hands with the person I love. People don't want to know all the details of how exactly sex might work. I am seen as more legitimate by many people just for the fact that I am partnered with a man. I'm a queer woman who doesn't flaunt her queerness. And being straight passing can be incredibly frustrating. Being in a committed relationship with a man seems to signal to people that my own identity and my experiences as a queer woman can just be ignored. In the face of the strongest evidence of all of my queerness, me saying that I am queer, folks like to point to my current partner as evidence that I don't count, as evidence that I'm not really queer. I've been told that if, that I, if I date a man, I'm not really queer, that I'm going through a phase interrogated when I come out and called a spaghetti lesbian straight until wet. When people make assumptions about my orientation, I set them straight, so to speak, but it can be exhausting. And then I remember how exhausting things must be for my queer siblings who do not pass, who struggle to defend their, their existence on a daily basis. I can proudly claim my place in the queer community and use my straight passing privilege to make a difference for that community. I am a queer woman. Well, my first Pride Parade was in 1981. I remember it really well. I had just come out and I'd just moved to New York City the previous fall. It was a clear, sunny day, and there were lots of balloons, lots of banners, floats, signs, and lots of half-dressed men. <laughs> so many people, so much gay, in one place, all at one time. Who <laughs> boy howdy. I had, met a, uh, I had met a nice man a couple of weeks earlier, and we were on our second, maybe third date, and I remember I liked him. He was funny, he was smart, kind of nice, I thought. I also remember, particularly, the New York City Gay Men's Chorus, marching in formation, mind you, and they stopped right in front of where we were watching, on the steps of the New York City Public Library with its great stone lions and they began to sing. And their combined voices reverberated off the nearby buildings and the sound was simply glorious. The song, There Won't Be Trumpets, is from Stephen Sondheim's 1964 musical, Anyone Can Whistle. Way ahead of its time, it's the story of a group of improbable people who band together to save their town from the evil clutches of a corrupt mayor and the big corporations that conspire with her. <laughs> Sound familiar? The song, <clears throat> it's a march actually, comes at that point in the play when things look most dire. And it starts like this. 
You smug little men with your smug little schemes. You forgot one thing. There are heroes in the world, princes and heroes in the world, and one of them will save us. Wait and see. Wait and see. I will never forget that day. Ronald Reagan had been inaugurated just six months before. The New York Times would run its first story of the gay cancer on Fire Island just a month later. The horror and the devastation that would be visited upon the gay community was barely getting underway. And I was living at ground zero. People forget, early on, from first symptoms to last breath, six months if you were lucky. It was an entire decade of overwhelming fear and sadness. By the end of 1982, co-workers, friends of friends, and then friends began dying in cruel sequence. And this would go on for years. I remember a friend saying to me once, every time I meet a new man, I wonder to myself if this is the one who will kill me. It was a long, hard struggle to get to where we are today. It's not always been this way. If you're under 30, you missed it. You weren't even there. It must be hard to imagine. By a year or so ago, we had seen so much progress in such a short period of time, we began to think our gains were permanent. They are not. Today, we are again under assault, and it will get worse. There is already a case on the docket for the Supreme Court in the fall that will challenge the decision that granted marriage equality. We need pride now more than ever, and we still need to continue to do this, not so much to party, but to show our pride and our strength to those who still wish to suppress us. Oh, and that funny guy from the parade in 1981, he's still with me. Har <laughs> Thank you. It's like the saying goes, we're role models. It's very stressful. <laughs> <clears throat> Harlow and I were married here by Reverend Kim in 2004, and this July, <coughs> excuse me, and this July, we'll celebrate 37 years together. He, don't ask how, we don't know. Um, he longs to have been here today, but he's in Moscow on business and sends his very best. And as for the heroes and princes who will save us, I always think of Lanford Wilson's play, The Fifth of July. In the play, a young boy talks in a garbled speech about space travel. What else? His teacher records it, laboriously listens to it, and translates it, transcribes it, and in doing so, comes to realize that the boy is not autistic. He's simply deaf. He's written a wonderful story. It's a very big moment in the play. And the teacher tells us, and it ends like this. After they had visited all of the planets, of all of the stars, in all of the universes, 
they discovered that they were alone. And this made them very happy because they realized it was up to them to become all of the wonderful things they had hoped they would find. Go be those wonderful things. Happy Pride. Um, this is going to sound strange, but I came into the world for the first time this year, and I was standing at this pulpit at the joining ceremony when I became an official member of Arlington Street Church. Three days earlier, on Thursday, March 2nd, I was in my therapist's office, and I told him that I was not transgender, and he reminded me that he hadn't asked. <laughs> so. Um, and, and I started to just cry, and I just proceeded to tell him the greatest secret of my entire life, that the person who I was was a girl that no one knew, and she was out in whatever place spirits reside. And in every movement I'd ever made in my entire life, she was just behind me, moving in tandem. Every gesture I made, I knew exactly how she would carry herself down to the very fibers of her being, and so for decades, my body was a two-way mirror through which she could see the world and on which the world would project its own meanings, its own expectations, its own prohibitions. And that um, is my humanity. It is my essential truth. That is who I am, my eternal soul. It's everything that I have to offer to the world. And I realized that I couldn't join Arlington Street Church and even pretend that I could hide that from whatever being is looking over us. But I also knew that I couldn't put it back into the box after I did it. And so two days before the ceremony, I sat down with my boss that Friday, um, our mayor, Martin J. Walsh. And <laughs> yeah, you can clap for the mayor. <laughs> and I told him that I am transgender and want to live the only way that I knew how. And his only request was that I not wear Louboutins to work so that his girlfriend wouldn't get any ideas. <laughs> uh, every conversation from that point on has been as, um, as understanding and sometimes it's humorous. And after I became a visible member of the trans community, I was able to raise the trans flag over City Hall Plaza in defiance of a hateful bus that came to town. Um, yeah. I've talked to many, many trans teens who are struggling to be who they are. I've done countless things that for my whole life I've waited to do. Um, and it, it kind of makes me think of people who have helped me to be a little bit brave. Someone here, Tina Rose is somewhere in this audience. I can see her, her purple wig. It's beautiful. I just want, Tina, I saw you years and years ago when I was hiding up in the balconies. Hi, Tina. Um, and I was too afraid to come down and commune in the pulpits, but I saw you and it, it made me think that one day I would be able to be as, as loving of myself and happy as, as you seem to be. So thank you for that. Um, Reverend Kim, thank you for being such a wonderful person. Everything you say gives me hope and joy. And everyone here should realize that your very presence is the answer to a prayer that some young person is probably whispering into their pillow. So. 
With that, um, I hope that you have a very happy Pride. God bless you, and thank you for being here.